Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hayden. I'm working with... An Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on the Chuck and Julie Show. Well, hello, everyone. Chuck Bonnell, Julie Hayden. Chuck and Julie Show, Two Straight Up, brought to you by... Brought to you by Mountain West Wellness, Advanced Acupuncture and Chinese Medicine. You saw Dr. Jack Schaefer just this morning. I did, and I'm feeling great. Um, And HappyTrees.co, as well as Denver Cenogenics and Dr. Julie McAllen. And happy Party Friday, everybody. Um, We're going to be talking, in the last 24 hours, um, three people have entered, additional people have entered the the race for Colorado State GOP chair. Um, And we're going to talk to Kevin Lundberg coming up at the bottom of the hour. Kevin Lungberg, Tina Peters, and Dave Williams will have. And they've already had uh, Eric Audlin and Aaron Wood and some guy named Stephen from Pueblo. Right. And, and Casper Stockham, too. And, Ka- and so our friend Casper Stockham. Everybody will have. Um, everybody. Yeah, Chuck and I are the only Republicans not running for GOP. And we're not sure we may get in the race. Uh, you know, now that it's it opened up so much. <laughs> <laughs> Julie's gonna throw her hat in. There we go. Not really. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, well, we want to start off with Mark Poff. You guys all know Mark, former El Paso County Sheriff's investigator, who's had kind of an inside look at the John Bonet Ramsey case. And there was a story um that came out in Fox um about a new book that was coming out. Um, so Mark, first of all, welcome to the show. Happy party Friday. Glad to be here. Why don't you explain to folks first your involvement in the, the John Bonet, not your involvement. Not, not your technical, you were there that night. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Actually, I was in Boulder about three to four miles away from that house on the night of the murder. Wow. Do you have somebody so, to yes. verify that, that your maybe, location? <laughs> maybe they need to check my DNA. But, <laughs> um so obviously being a homicide or being a detective working on numerous homicides and death investigations down in, in El Paso County, um, I had an opportunity. I, I worked for John St. Augustine, who was hired by the Ramses to reinvestigate. But but even going back a little further than that is Lou Smith. So Boulder PD, I mean, we all know um, they totally screwed the whole thing up. Right. And so they needed help. Their detectives were clueless. They totally botched the crime scene. I could go on for your whole show about everything they botched in the first 12 hours of their investigation. So they hired Lou Smith, who's kind of the Sherlock Holmes of Colorado of investigators. He worked for Colorado Springs Police Department, went up through the ranks. He was one of their top detectives. I believe he became a commander or some level at CSPD. Then he retired. When John Anderson, which is a name we're going to talk about, when he became sheriff, he hired Lou Smith and made him captain of investigations, which is what it was back then uh, for a few years. And then he retired. I knew Lou Smith. I, I really wouldn't consider him a friend, but I used to meet with him for coffee. Him and, mm-hmm. a, and a group of homicide detectives or detectives, retired detectives, would meet once a week at some German pastry place and and we would go by when we had chance i normally didn't have that much time but i'd go by and and talk with lou smith lou smith when he came by the office would come into my office and talk to me so actually i would consider him a friend i wanted to buy his delorean because he had a delorean (laughs) as you do as you do do. which is pretty cool um and and lou smith when he was hired he looked into the evidence and i remember sitting down with him and saying lou come on tell me the scoop you know who did it and he goes, Mark, it doesn't really work that way. He, he goes, but I will tell you the evidence points at intruders. And Lou Smith resigned or, or quit from Boulder PD because they were having none of it. You know, he kept bringing up, you know, here, here's here's evidence that clearly shows an intruder. And Boulder was like, we're not investigating a homicide. We're investigating um, Pat and um, John Ramsey killing their daughter. That's what we're investigating. <laughs> And so they promoted all this stuff. Lou Smith wouldn't have anything to do with it. I spent multiple times talking with Lou uh, about this. And he was very clear that the evidence, and he showed me the evidence. And John St. Augustine, who also worked on this, um, 
clearly showed that there was evidence of intruders and Boulder wasn't having any part of this, that it wasn't even something that they would consider. So John and Lou, the one thing that makes them so unique, unfortunately, Lou has passed away, is they were provided with all the discovery. So Lou Smith's family now has all the discovery. Boulder PD actually threatened Lou Smith to get the discovery back, to say, hey, we want all this stuff back. You have no right to have it. Ultimately, they gave it up, and now the family has it. John St. Augustine also has a, a wide amount of discovery of any person still living, whoever who, who knows the most about the John Bonet homicide, it's John St. Augustine. Right. He, he worked on it. He's looked through all the discovery, the, the autopsy photos. The guy is just incredible in what he can tell you about this investigation. So enters... John Anderson, who I worked for, he was the sheriff of El Paso County when I signed up and joined the sheriff's office. Great sheriff, loved working for him. He had nothing to do with this investigation. In fact, a few years ago, I contacted him to discuss potentially doing a book, and he said he wasn't interested. So and then, now I kind of think that was nothing but a curveball to, to because throw Because he away is writing a book. You know, because <laughs> he knows he was probably in the midst of writing the book at the time. So not going to get into that, but I will tell you this. John Anderson had nothing to do with it. He, he is basing everything in this book, and there's nothing new that I know of in this book that wasn't already out there. And we're right. going to talk about some of this stuff. Um, there is some surprises, though. And you can Google this stuff. It's interesting if, if you go out and Google some of the stuff. The information's all out there. But... Again, Boulder PD, even here recently, any evidence or any idea of trying to do any DNA testing, which we know DNA testing has gone a a lot farther just in the last five, 10 years with the genealogy tests. We don't even need, we don't even need the suspect's DNA in, in the system. We just need a relative, you know, test a relative and they, Boulder will not have anything to do with this. Multiple times, these individuals, this group close to Lou Smith, have gone to Boulder PD and and begged them, retest this stuff. There's hundreds of items that have never been tested for for DNA, and they won't have anything to do with it. And instead, they and and that's sort of what I wanted to talk to you about. Plus, there's some information that I had been unaware of. The Ramsey's family, um, John Ramsey, Burke Ramsey, um, are continuing to push for Boulder police to do this testing. They've even said, we'll pay for it. We'll pay for the DNA stuff. And Boulder police keeps issuing these statements saying, oh, yeah, we'll get right on it. We'll get right on it. But in in talking about it, I mean, it it appears the certain amount of duplicity on the part of Boulder started way back when. I want you to because I was unaware of this. Um, that, that, so there was DNA that was found under John Bonet Ramsey's fingernails, um, on her underwear and then on her long johns. And some of it's been tested and her fingernails. And some of it's been tested at various times. But, but you told me this the other day and I was stunned. I never heard this before. So let me, why don't you explain this? Well, well, going, kind of going through the timeline. So John Bonet was murdered in December of 1996. They, um, took the items that they thought would have the best chance of having DNA submitted those first. Within three weeks, they had the results. So in January of 1997, they knew that the Ramsey family was excluded based on the DNA. Now, you've probably heard that some people have said, well, the DNA in the panties might have been whoever made the panties, the, right. you know, the, the worker in China or whatever. That's absurd because it's also underneath your fingernails unless John Bonet was visiting China. Uh, you know, when the person was making the underwear. So then a, a few years later, they tested the long johns. And I think the reason they tested the long johns, because they were trying to find something that would have the Ramsey's DNA on it. And they felt that her outer clothes had the highest probability of having the Ramsey DNA on it. So they could say, see, we found some clothes, right. some DNA on her clothes that were, well, guess what? Even with the long johns, they all matched the same DNA pattern of all three items. So we know there's a high probability of whoever's DNA that is on the panties and in the fingernails and on the long johns is the suspect. And they, they're they not testing it. And so they originally put it into CODIS way back when, which we're talking a long time ago. And the, and the thing is, in the sake of transparency, this is not going to screw up their investigation that's not going on at this point. Right, right. To say, 
here's all the times we've resubmitted it to CODIS. Here's all the times that we put it into the genealogy system to see if we can get any matches. They're not providing any of this information. And, and it's a lack of trust. Nobody trusts Boulder PD at this point because they obviously have no desire to solve the case. Well, and let me th- back up, though. And, and yeah, so I mean, who's left from the original investigation? Many of the people. Well, Trujillo's still there. Okay. Tom Trujillo was the commander of investigations. He recently got reprimanded for not following up on cases. Right. What a surprise. <laughs> and I think he was transferred out of investigations. But that's, see, you really hit it, Chuck. That's one of the issues. All the people who were involved back then are still in the game. Yeah. You have a new chief of police, and for God's sakes, what he needs to do, you know, he's he was doing this internal investigation, which found this other stuff that reprimanded some of these um, detectives. The chief of police should step in and say, you know what, let's redo all this. Let's do a complete reanalysis. Let's go back to CODIS and all these systems. Let's go check out these hundreds of items that have never been tested. But he doesn't appear to be interested. Well, here's one thing. This is the one part. We've talked about this before, and it's the one part, you know, I have some, I wouldn't call it expertise, knowledge of. And, you know, I studied graphology. It's the study of handwriting. And and um, it is very hard uh, to hide your handwriting. It is impossible to hide it uh, over a page and a half under stress circumstances and everything else. I mean, I don't care how good you've been working, knowing you're going to write a ransom note in somebody else's one. Um, it, and, and I know that it's a subjective art, so you can always find right. an expert that's going to say it is and it isn't. But, right. but the, there ought to be a massive consensus of who wrote this, this, uh, right. ransom note. It's either got to be, um, Patsy Ramsey, and I can't imagine it could be anybody else. Or it's absolutely not Patsy Ramsey, in which case, you know, the idea that she killed her is is ludicrous. But I just don't get why you can't get, you know, not get a expert because you can get an A expert to say anything. They could say it's Donald Trump's handwriting, but <laughs> with, with I mean, one of those big marker pens that he signed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But I, I don't you understand. Should, you submit that too yeah, much. Well, that so, probably you know, right. not everybody's hired expert. Get a panel of three or four or five or something. Get and, a consensus. And, yeah. yeah. Well, and it should really, be conclusive. Well, let me, I want to, but the DNA, I think. Well, what's that? Let him answer that, really. Well, there's, there, just like you said, there's been experts on both sides to say, some have said, yes, it, they think it's Patsy's and others have said, no, that it's not. So from the handwriting, it's kind of, like you yeah. said, it, it, you can get an expert to say about anything. But you cannot get a, a you know. If you a get consistent. Four, yeah, you, you get four or five, you know, reputable ones who have nothing in the game, and they're going to come up with the same conclusion. Right. It's not that easy to come up with the same conclusion from just a signature or just, you know, a few words or a few things. But a page and a half of writing right. is enough yeah. to do it. I just don't we're going to talk about that here in a minute because there's actually some but evidence the, around the that. Thing is, so, so I covered John Benet Ramsey, covering that was my life for years on and off. Yeah. And and I thought I knew a ton of stuff. But I, so what you're saying is that they, that number one, in, in weeks after the murder, and they had this information, they tested the DNA that was found under her fingerprints. And then they tested the DNA that was found in her underwear. And the DNA came back as a match to somebody, an unknown male contributor, I think I read, yes. um, and it excluded the Ramsey family. Now they knew that, and right. then three few, weeks, a few, a three weeks, but they never mentioned that to anybody. And then a few right. weeks later, they test the law. A few years later, rather, they test right. the long john underwear. So the DNA in the fingernails, the underwear, and the long john all comes, they believe, from a, the same, same male source. contributor, Non-Ramsey. and none of them are the Ramseys. Yeah. And so, what would be bizarre because I mean, we've got an 11 year old. I mean, I'm sure my DNA is all over his clothes, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And they didn't find it. Well, yeah. and here's the thing. Well, it, it, the thing is, is that they have for a long time, the Boulder police kind of muddled the water. They would explain to reporters like me, well, it was inconclusive. The sample was commingled. It could have come and, you know, from like you say, some, some just, yeah, whatever, accidental contact. But there's no way you're going to get the same accidental contact in her fingernails, her underwear. And, and it was, and, and the long johns. I mean, that's Correct. just. Correct. Um, and, and, and don't well, continue. I'm sorry. 
Well, and and the other thing I was going to say is you were explaining this to me. When they said they ran it through CODIS, I assumed that there's this like massive AI chat CODIS computer that has everybody's DNA in the entire universe and they run it and they didn't get a hit. But that's not how it works either, right? Right, right. There's different systems. I, I ran into this when I was trying to run fingerprints through APHIS and then someone told me, well, did you run it through ISIS system, you know, ISIS APHIS system. I'm like, what are you talking about? There's one system. States have different systems. And so sometimes you have to run them through different states. You you have to resubmit it, obviously. And, and, and in my case, when I submitted it to the ICE, because I knew these were illegal aliens, I got two or three hits. So every year, six months, year, whatever, they need to be putting it into every CODA system they know of, and they need to be going into this genealogy system that they're talking about to see if they can get any relative. And and just to let you know, there there is a suspect. I mean, there there is a suspect. They knew of the suspect. The problem is, is you can't really trust um, what they're saying at this point. And I just read some stuff on the internet. If you search this on the on the internet, you can find this stuff where they talk about this suspect that Boulder's known about for years. And 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 I talked to you about it. It's this right. Michael Helgoth. So what happened was is shortly after, on February 13th of 1997, Alex Hunter, who was the DA at the time, was told by some FBI profilers to make the following statement during a press conference. And it was to basically say the list of suspect narrows and sooner or later, just your name's going to be on this list. And it was to intimidate the murderer or murderers of right. who they thought could be the suspects. And then two days later, Boulder Sheriff's Office gets a report of a suicide. And that's that's this Michael Helgoth. And they show up there and they rule this thing as a suicide. And the bullet went in one part of his body, but the gun was on the other side. Also in this suicide, and, and sorry to be a little morbid in this, Nobody ever kills themselves shooting themselves in the abdomen. I, I've worked on over 100 death investigations, numerous homicides, numerous suicides. And one of the first things that we're taught as a homicide detective is to determine the difference. And one is the gun's on the wrong side, but he shot himself around the belly button in his abdomen up through his body cavity, up to his chest. And how would you through, even do that? You, well, you can't. I mean, you could, but who would who would ever do that if they're committing suicide? And he shot the gun through a pillow to make it quiet. Figure that one out. Most people, it's the head, it's the chest. I've never seen a suicide where anyone shot themselves in the abdomen. Knives. Um, I've, I've seen. I've seen people do Harry Carey. I'm not <laughs> well, seen. No, I've, I've, but they should have. They should have raised some things, questions at in the time. The room, in in this room, that they they've destroyed this crime scene, obviously, because they ruled it a suicide and walked away was high-tech boots that matched the boot impressions that were found in the Ramsey's house. There was a stun gun, the exact match of the stun gun used on John Bonet. This individual was in the military and had military training. The knot used on the garage against John Bonet was a military-type knot. So there was all kinds of evidence. Now, Boulder, under pressure, said, oh, we checked the DNA and it doesn't match. Okay, where's the report? Yeah. If you if you did this test, yeah. there's got to be a report somewhere. So my question to Boulder PD is, where's the test saying this that there is it's conclusive that it's not a match? So there's a lot of people out there and and, and I'm guessing that in in John's book that he probably references this Michael Helgoth there's a good chance this guy was involved whether it matches the DNA or not. They never tested the high tech boots, never took them, never seized the the stun gun that they knew matched. So are they really trying to solve the case or are they trying to just get it to go away? Well, well, well you kind of, it makes you kind of lose some of your faith in law enforcement. Yeah, go figure. Right. <laughs> and, and he told some friends that this is documented by someone who knew him, that he said that him and a buddy were going to receive between fifty dollars and $60,000 each in the next few weeks. And this was before John Bonet. Wow. So he was actually telling guys that, that he had worked out something to where him and his buddy were going to get about 120000 And that what, was... What, what, what his handwriting was like. Yeah, really. <laughs> exactly. You got to wonder, you know, and again, I, I, you know, in full disclosure, I'd always been in the non-intruder camp. But I had, but, but the, 
we were talking yesterday and I said, but you know, the police and they do this, that, you you know, you have sources and they give you information and you know, you don't have the whole picture. You don't know. I mean, I had never heard that the DNA was a match to, and, and the way I understand it, it wasn't like a bazillion percent, all of the markers match, but it was, but there was enough that they could tell that it came from right. the same person and they kind of had the, the likelihood of it being somebody different, I, you know? Um, and to me, it seems like with this Michael Helgeth or anything, number one, why are we not just running that, like you said, every six months through the genealogy thing? What, what, what could it hurt, right? It can't well, hurt know anything, and hurt. they need to tell the community that they did it. Do another press right. release. Hey, we ran it against CODIS again. We got no hits. Right, right, exactly. And, or even know, this- Boulder's, um, sorry for interrupting. No, okay. Boulder's first lie came within a day or two of, of the whole thing. They Somebody asked him, does it look like an intruder? And they said, no. Because there was recent snow all around the house and there's no footprint. So no intruder could have gotten to the house because there was snow all around it. Then when you actually look, and I've seen these photos, the the um, crime scene photos, on the whole one side of the house, there's no snow at all. And you can <laughs> see where you would get down into these window wells where they believe they right. can It's obvious it's it been disturbed. But yet yeah. Boulder PD from the beginning was putting the narrative out there, oh, no, there couldn't have been intruders. Well, and then it became even more messy because then you had the DA's office, and this is my theory on why nothing's happening with it. You had the DA's office, who I think was going out of its way to protect the Ramsey. So you had the cops trying to arrest him and interview him. You've got the <laughs> DA trying to protect him. Um, and you've got PR agencies and tabloids. I mean, it was a circus there. I think that the reason they don't want to solve it is because they don't want to have a trial. Because if they have a trial, all of their mistakes oh. are going to come out. The whole thing is going to be a mess. And and they just, for them, it's like no trial, no problems. Well, trial of who? Well, I mean, if they find a suspect, they, <laughs> they don't found want somebody who's, who's most likely dead. But you're right. If there was a trial, having worked for the defense a lot in the last eight oh. years now that I've been an independent expert, the defense attorneys, their job is to cloud it up, to, to gray up. So they would absolutely crucify, crucify oh. Boulder PD for the handling of that crime scene. It was absurd that oh. they did not secure it. They told John Ramsey, hey, go look around your house and see if you can find something, you know, out of place. And he finds the body. Right. I mean, and, and I don't understand that on any crime scene that I've ever worked on. You know, if you're sitting there, oh, we've been here for two, three hours. Oh, we found a body. Well, what was I interesting mean, was, is I talked to Linda Arndt, who was the te- detective and I interviewed her and, um, um, who was the detective at the house that day, one of the detectives. And what happened is they all get there and I think they just flipped out and freaked out, right? You've got Denver calling saying you want some help. You got the FBI calling, you know, right. cause they think they've got a kidnapped kid and they're like, no, everybody right. stay away. It's our case. And so th- it was very confusing. And like everybody was initially there and then they all traipse away, leaving Linda Arndt sitting there. Right? right by herself with the destroyed family so she's just trying to keep everybody from freaking right. out so she says i mean she told me she said i assumed which one could have you know that they had right. i got here hours later that somebody had checked the freaking house so i told john ramsey and she said then he comes up with a body and she was like oh, holy you know. crap right and, exactly. and i actually one time in my entire career um i was asked to write a search warrant and i came on scene and walked into the house with the search warrant and the suspect was laying on the couch. So the whole time they said they had the house secured, yep. <laughs> they let the suspect sleep on the couch and the living. It's like, guys, are we not stupid here? You, you get everybody out of the house. You secure the house. And and I've heard that story where she she wanted him to just look around the house to just get him doing something. Right, right. She really didn't even want him to find. But she had probably assumed, like she, I would have assumed. If I'm like coming into a crime scene two hours later, that somebody flipping secured it. Right. And they had, you know? so, I mean, it, it was a mess, as you said, from the beginning. And did, and, you, did you realize that just recently the FBI did another search of the house and, and it ended up with Biden? Uh, high, high confidential <laughs> documents. That's my documents. Stored in the Ramsey house. <laughs> exactly. Well, so, yeah, to me, I can understand totally anymore why john ramsey is continuing to push for this and right. um and, and you know and and i don't understand well i do understand but i think they should abandon it and go for justice as opposed to just covering their tails because i think i've become convinced there are certainly questions that's that's check that dna i mean that's let's check insane. that handwriting yeah well exactly that's do all 
all of that. And, and tests, as you've mentioned, there were thousands of items that were there that were never tested for, for DNA that would have be hard to explain what, you know, particularly if it matches again. So if you've got the D, the fingerprint or the fingernails, the underwear, the long johns, and then you come up with some other source, right? Right, that, right, exactly. Or some other item. I'm telling you, you know, that 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 ransom note will tell you everything. Well, if they could just have, have an impartial panel do it, because it's almost two pages long. It's impossible to hand, you know, hide your handwriting. Right. Uh, and it's, even here recently, like I said, there's groups, individuals close to the Smith family that, that, that still think that there's a possibility of, I, I don't know if, about justice, because the people may already be dead who did this, because mm-hmm. it's been so long ago. But getting to the truth, have yeah. begged, right. like you said, the Ramseys have said, we'll pay for the DNA testing. They've gone to Boulder PD and begged them. And, and the impression that they get is that Boulder PD is not interested in any evidence that doesn't show the parents did it. So if you went in here today, you know, with evidence that that a family member did it, they'd be like, "Come on in, sit down," you, you know, right. because that was their narrative from day one. And 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 here's kind of the bottom line of it all: Detective One Hundred One is follow the evidence. You know, find the truth, follow the evidence. Do not come up with preconceived notions. And Boulder PD, which was a pretty pathetic agency to begin with. They they basically on day one said the family had to do this and everything that they've done for 20 some years has been strictly on family did it. So if you can provide me some evidence to help me with that, I'm good. But if you come in here trying to jack with my narrative, I'm not interested because the bottom line is, why wouldn't you just test this stuff? And if someone else is willing to pay for it. I mean, it's been, well, that's my thing too. It's, I mean, it's been decades, right? And there should be some kind of some kind of you'd think civil procedure if you have a police agency where the Ramseys obviously the cops have to you know have chain of custody blah 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 but where they can be forced to give it to somebody to the Ramseys who want to release it right who want to who want to test it and I have to say you know I've certainly followed usually innocent project kind of cases where the and almost in every one of them um, you know the the police come to feeling it's a and then they they throw everything else right, out. Right, you don't want to. Right, and, right. and uh, you no, know, I've asked I've asked people that, and they said, "Well, you have to understand, you cannot ever solve anything unless you start willowing down. You have to, as part of the process. If you do it too early, then you may just just convict an innocent person. You do it too late, you may never get a person. So there's right. there's there's something that that." You can sort of understand some of it, but but here it's just like it's it's hard to believe the Boulder PA or the the governor. Of course, he's worthless. But somebody wouldn't say, "God damn it, let's really right look right. into it." Well, exactly. And and it, it, at the beginning of any investigation, you want to put a big wide net out, especially on a homicide, right. and collect all the evidence you can, and then worry about sorting through it later. It's been 20 some years. Yeah. At this yeah. point, you should have sorted through everything numerous times. I, I would love, and they'll never do this, is if somebody did like a core request or something and say, I don't want what you've determined. I just want to know what have you done? How many man hours have you spent on John mm-hmm. Benet Ramsey? Just man hours. I don't want to know what you did, but right. how many people put on their time cards? That they were working on the John Bonet case. Well, Trujillo put a lot of hours. hours. Trujillo put a lot of hours well, in. But I mean, yeah. of work in. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, but recently. So, all right. Well, Mark, listen, we got to let you go. But thank, thank you so you. much. Yeah, thank you for that. Keep us posted on the efforts because it sounds like that the family is not going to go away. Some of the, the these other people are not going to go away. They're going to keep pushing. Of course, Boulder will keep stonewalling, but maybe something will break. Right. Exactly. Here's hoping. All right, Mark, thank you very much. Mark Poff there, appreciated right. as always. See you, Mark. All right, so we're going to go up, and if we don't get Kevin Lundberg pretty quick, um, Thomas, if you maybe want to go ahead and give him a, a call, because I know he's kind of traveling. Um, yeah, this is from Leo. Was it Biden? They're not going to check for nose DNA in her hair. There you go. <laughs> um, so yesterday, within 24 hours, um, everybody in the universe jumped into the Colorado state GOP cheer race, you know, everybody good. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, just great candidates, except we've got now a ton of candidates. Um, the one thing about the Colorado grassroots is they will 
destroy any chance they ever have of, of winning. <laughs> and we've watched it from, you know, my favorite politicians, Tom Tancredo, but he had an amazing ability to jump in when he shouldn't and to get out when he, when he, but should. he should. Yeah. yeah I mean, he, he just, should, yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. You know, he'd jump into the governor's race and then, and, you know, and that George Brockler to go, go away. And then he, then he yeah, says yeah. he wins and then they say, I don't want it. And so we ended up with Walker Stapleton. I mean, it's just, and the other time he waited until after the convention uh, when Dan Mays got the one and ran the Constitutional Party uh, with the help of Peter Boyles and others. But, you know, he had no chance of winning. Um, it could have caused the Republican Party to become a minority party because it didn't get 10 percent of the vote, which I'm all for these days. I mean, <laughs> my God. Well, let me, uh, this is an aside. I just saw this, though. We need to go to Leo's house. Party Friday. He's having double green chili cheeseburger on tortillas with cores. Leo, we're coming to yeah. your house. So. Where's the house? Yeah, really. So we're going to have, as soon as we get him, Kevin Lundberg on, who entered the race yesterday. Um, Dave Williams announced he was entering the race this morning. Um, former Representative Dave Williams. And then um, former Mesa County Secretary of State and former Secretary of State candidate Tina Peters, also um, announced yesterday that she was entering the race. So we've got Eric Audlin, the one person we know we, we don't all hate. Want. Everyone hates want. is Eric Audlin. Yeah, we don't want well, Eric Audlin. He's, he's an establishment candidate. Yeah, and it just you know, not- and he's not telling the truth about all of this yes, stuff. Yeah. Um, and we've got him. We've got um, Casper, Aaron Wood, Kevin Lundberg, Dave Williams, Tina Peters, and there's Steve, I forget his name. Oh, something. Kevin with us on the phone. Hey, hey, Kevin. hey, Kevin. Thank you for your time. Good afternoon. Hey, what do you know? I'm right here. Hey. Well, you've, you've officially announced, correct? I announced uh, last night in a somewhat public fashion over a Zoom call and was, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm in the race publicly and that's what it takes to be in the race. Yeah, that, that's all it takes to be in the race. Well, I mean, I must admit there was some hope at some time that that the, we know Eric Audlin, who Eric Audlin's coming from, and he's the establishment um, pick, um, and he's been saying how grassroots he is these yeah. days. Um, but but we've got you, and you know I've worked with you a lot on the uh, liberating the Republican primary from the Democrats, mm-hmm. uh, right? And and you were an absolute stalwart. Um, Dave Williams is a personal friend from a long time. Uh, Tina mm-hmm. Williams, I Peters. feel like Peters is being persecuted. We sort of feel like these gunmen come into our house and they get the parents together and say, okay, you got five kids here. We're going <laughs> to kill four of them. So tell us what's your favorite child. And we go, no, we like no. <laughs> my favorite child well, is. Well, look, let me give you a little bit friendlier view on this, which is uh, <laughs> what I'm trying to establish in the, in the process, because, yeah, I, I think it's a lot of uh, uh, friends who have uh, like, um, you know, similar interests and, and uh, values and and the like. And and uh, uh, I want us to, to understand that what we're looking for is a leader for the state Republican Party. And we all are Republicans here in Colorado, um, and we all need to go shoulder to shoulder once we figure out who you know, who, who the officers are. Um, I, I want us to look at it as, as, as a competition among friends. Um, there are differences. I'm going to try to, you know, uh, clearly lay out what, what I think would be best for the party and people need to judge whether my track record and, and, uh, other abilities really, uh, support that or not. Um, and I ask the same of everybody else and, you know, Quite frankly, it's 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 a good. Um, I think the competition will be good if we keep it on a positive uh, angle. And and I'm certain that the average um, state central committee member wants to get the facts and doesn't want to see, you know, a, a yeah. brass knuckle fight or anything. That's probably true. Well, let me ask you. Well, but, but, but no, 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 man. I mean, you know. It, what are the differences? How, how, how you you know what? How do you differ from Dave Williams or Tina Peters or or Eric Arlen for that fact? Yeah. I mean, are, are you trying well, to get the support of Anschutz and Coors? Um, would you like that? Would you like that support? Well, that's what I'll lay out his plan sure. first. Yeah. Well, okay. First off, I believe that the real support needs to come from the people of Colorado, from the average 
a Republican who has, you know, they're affiliated with the party. They're concerned with where the Polish regime has been pushing us. Uh, they are the ones that need to get behind whoever comes uh, up as the, at the top. But I, that's where I see the support. Would I, uh, would I accept, uh, you know, be, deep pocket stuff? Um, not with, with strings. No, you know, strings come that you don't, you'd be any Trump. The party. Yeah, you have mm-hmm. to be, you have to be but, anti-Trump. That's, that's where the strings come from. Well, I'm not anti-Trump. Uh, now, here's another important element, though. If you are chair of the party and there is a competitive primary race going on, and there is at the presidential level, um, you also don't pick sides. But if you want to ask who I thought was a, did a great job as president, <laughs> it is Donald Trump. Has, well, you're, you're not you're uh, not I chair mean, yet. Do, do, do you have a preference in the presidential primary? Yeah, Trump. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Right. okay. What? Well, uh, so let, but, let then you know because I think um, you, you know we know that you're for the close um, closing the primary, liberating the primary, as Chuck says. And what, what about? And well, we've seen you. We've talked to you about Senate Bill 101, getting rid of the caucus. You strongly support the caucuses and assembly process, I assume. Uh, absolutely. I'm glad to report that 101 finally died, but oh, okay. but the idea, I'm sure, has not. And I've seen right. it come up over the years. You know, seems to me we had it on the general election ballot, uh, I don't know, what, 15 years ago or so, to, to literally get rid of the caucuses. 101 just took the, you know, just right. took the heart out of the caucuses. Right. But, right. but yeah, we, we need to uh, actually... Uh, to me, that's the key element of getting people engaged and involved right. in the uh, party process is to get them to the caucuses and, and to let them understand how much uh, uh, really you get a front row seat to the uh, political process here in Colorado. Just an average citizen. That's all you've got to do. I, I tell people it takes two years to figure it out, though. The first year <laughs> you go to the caucus, and you have no idea what's happening. And then you figure it out. And then two years later, you go and you know what you're doing. And then you finally be effective and and i'm i have uh from the outside tried to to explain this to people so that they can come prepared the first time around but uh, yeah that's an important element okay i was gonna say we've got i see one of our one of our favorite well all of our listeners are favorite listeners but charlene she always um asks this question and that is the republican party you know disappoints us over and over again she's like she says it's like being with an abused spouse why don't we just get rid of the party stop the republican party form our own party um and i think there probably are a lot of people out there who kind of feel the same way they just don't trust the republican party anymore how would you answer that well that's a really interesting question which i pursued um Let's see, it was back in 1991, so I guess that was uh, 32 years ago. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> because no, I was ready to give up on. Uh-huh. I was ready to give up on the party back then, yeah. and and I sought out some counsel. I went to a person that I'd never met before, but he is since then has been is a good friend. He even emailed me uh, or texted me yesterday and and you know said I'm glad you're running. And that's Mike Ferris. He doesn't live in Colorado, but I went up to him. I knew he knew a lot about the political uh, stuff from a national level, you might say. And I say, and my question was, when are we going to get rid of the Republican Party and start one that really stands for something? Yeah. And here's what Mike said to me. He, he immediately turned back and he said, let me tell you how the Republicans are going to take over Congress. Now, remember, this was 1991. He described to me the pretty much the precise process that Newt Gingrich helped engineer in 1994 when they did take over Congress. And I walked away thinking, well, I didn't ask that question. But then the more I thought about it, I thought what he was telling me very clearly was you're never going to get rid of the two-party system in this country. And the only way you're going to be successful is if you you change the party that is closest to where you're at. And that's what I've been working on ever since. And yeah. and I think we've made some progress in some ways. Um, yeah, my okay. So here's my plan for the Colorado uh, Republican Party because we're at the bottom of the barrel. You know, yeah. there in one sense, there's there's nowhere to look but up. But but the only way you're going to get there is, you know, we talked about it. Uh, 
do our very best, and I think we've got a really good shot in the courts if we can get everybody, including the party, behind a challenge in the federal courts to the open primary. I think we need to support the grassroots organizations rather than, you know, we, we need a bottom-up um, uh, system in the party rather than this top-down management system. Yeah. You know, because that's what everybody feels like is the state party is dictating, you will do this, you won't do that, you know. And local groups are kind of in counties are just sort of on their own. Um, I believe that that we need to not close our eyes to the broken election systems we have in Colorado. And I I don't look forward to immediate changes because, I mean, that's going to take a lot of, in some ways, miraculous help to get there. But but the first step. You know, it's kind of like an alcoholic. The first step in fixing it is you've got to admit you've got a problem. Well, far too many don't. Right. And now here's the and and of course, defend the caucus system. You know, we ought to turn our caucuses into a celebration once every two years of our God given freedoms all across the state of Colorado. Let every Republican know that this is an incredible opportunity. Spend a few hours. Get to know your your community and your neighbors. And make a difference by, you know, starting that that process to find the best candidates to, to well, serve. Uh, well, you know, and, and let well, me save the card of that. I've always been following politics and other newspaper and other things. But, you know, four years, three years ago, I just said, oh, I'll become a PCP. Um, and so I got a PCP. And then I was elected uh, the next year. Um, to be on the executive board, which is, you know, like, I mean, you know, bump, you're up to the top, although who knows how much the top the executive board is. But, but you know, if, if you don't have that first step, you can never get into anything. And so it's really an opportunity. Um, and you can rise as fast as you want, quite frankly. Um, oh, and if, you if you're willing to go out there and get your yep. neighbors behind you and stuff, and it's, it's, it's a, it can be a quick process or, a long process, but but it isn't that well, you're always yeah. on the bottom of the pile. You can quickly raise up to to the executive board in two years. I mean, and look at Eric Audley. Yeah, yeah. My God, he wasn't even a Republican a year ago, and and, and yeah, then he well, wanted to be he wanted to be a senator. And now he wants to be head of the party uh, after losing by yeah. twenty points um, for a congressional well, district. Yeah, but, and, and you know it, the, the opportunity is there. If people understood that, but. But I still don't think we've there's quite enough to 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 make things work. I think we need one more thing for the state party, and that is we need to figure out what Republican principles are all about, clearly identify them and advertise them and stand for those issues. You know, I, I like what uh, Sarah Sanders, uh, uh, yeah. the governor of Arkansas, said in her response to the, you know, Biden's uh, State of the Union address and. Uh, I'll just quote it. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. Yeah. And you look at just about everything. What What is it? Denver is now the most dangerous uh, uh, crime-ridden city yep. in the nation. Yep. Uh, it, yeah. It's number one in car theft. Yep. I was uh, reading another analysis of all 50 states when it comes to religious liberty. And Colorado there is ranked 41st. Well, um, and, and when the, the legislature so, is just going into well, but let, let's go back to that. You know the principles and limits. Obviously, the Republican Party, run by Christy Burton Brown, did not believe that to be true. In fact, believed just the opposite. She commitment to Colorado was the most vague terms you have. Affordability. You know, you can affordability can mean subsidized housing. It can mean whatever you want it to mean. Right. Right. Whatever it's a buzzword. It right. It's, right. And, and so she. No, the commitment to Colorado was junk. It was just junk. Uh, and that's how the establishment thinks, you know, you don't want to do divisive issues. Like, you don't want to be pro-life, as Joe O'Day said. I mean, Christy Burton Brown said she's pro-life and couldn't have backed Joe O'Day more um, if right. she tried. Um, the Republican Party has not been for its principles of limited government and uh, pro-life and, and, and whatever else. And you have at least a, half the party who believes that can't win. We, we, we've got to be more... More Democrats. closer to the well, independence. I will disagree with you on half the, the party. I think if you want to call all of the Republicans in the state of Colorado and find out what they think, uh, and actually you ought to throw in a few that have given up on the party too, and they didn't give up because the party went, you know, went too far to the right. 
right. they gave up because the party went too far to the middle. Um, and what what we need, and, and you know, again, go back to uh, Governor Sanders' uh, uh, quote: "It's normal or crazy." I mean, it is crazy. Look what's happening to schools. Look what's happening to the economy. Looks what you know. Everywhere you look, uh, Colorado is is uh, uh, just not the good place to live uh, unless you like, yeah. you know, uh, everybody to be run by, you it's, know, the, yeah. the it's, mother Well, so, so why didn't the party run on that in these last elections? And well, why didn't they succeed? Well, and what will you do to because, change it, I guess? It's, yeah, we all know what they did, but how will well, you change that? And it's the same question, really, because yeah. that's what we're really, really looking at is what, what do we do moving forward from here? I believe we, be, we need to be very intentional in, in identifying and standing for the principles of the party. And what I would do as chairman would be not to just dictate something and say, see, this is what it is. No, right. I'd want to go through a very careful process with um, – you know, a committee of uh, leaders from around the state to look at the national platform. Start there, yeah. Because uh, we've got a good document to work with, but it's 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 too complicated for what I'm looking for because I want something that the average citizen can uh, digest pretty quickly. But to take that and then make it Colorado specific and move it through the process of 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 approval of all of the uh, levels of the. Uh, uh, of the of the party and wrap it up at the state assembly uh, next year with a ratification, but but well in advance of that, it would be you know far enough along that when candidates. Well, I, I have a feeling. Yeah, yeah I, I have a feeling it would be pretty close to the platform you already have. Um, uh, well, you know, everybody's read the platform, or nobody has, of course. Um, you know, most of the Republican things. And so did we run on the platform? No, we ran on the commitment to Colorado. Well, that's because, thing. you know, when it comes to the national platform, the Don't platform about the state, our platform. I'm talking about our platform, the Colorado platform. Consultants, basically. No, not, not, not this one isn't. It's, so the, the race was run, right. Oh, right. The race, well, the race was run by Phil. I mean, yes. he controls everything and, and his minions do whatever yeah, they you've want. Got me, you've got me totally confused. Where's the platform you're talking about? The state plat state party platform. Where is it? You, you ever read that? Have you read that? I I haven't seen it. Oh, I'll send it to you. It's pretty good. You'll like it. Okay, well you you won't find it on their website. No, no. No, 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 no. No, no. No, because it's, it's a, secret in your it's a secret platform. It's a pro life platform. You can't have that crap uh, out there. But here's here's the other thing. You know, I've run elections. Um, at a local level, municipal level, and in, in, in towns and so forth, where I, you know, I ballot harvested, you know, all legally, all properly, all everything else, and the other side didn't uh, uh, ballot harvest. And I'm 100% whenever I ballot harvested and the other side didn't. You have no chance. And I keep on, I told Kirstie Burton Brown this, you have no chance. If they ballot harvest and you don't, you have no chance of winning. None. In the towns I ran elections, I mean, we sweep every office. If the other, if you don't ballot harvest, you have no chance of winning. No chance. Well, you're, and that is one element of as, uh, of the election process that I believe uh, ultimately needs to be changed. The the voter registration list needs to be changed. Yes. yes. The mail out ballots to everybody needs to be changed because yep. there's these are are systems that are are deeply flawed and we need to recognize that yeah if if um, if if ballots can be collected and uh, to ensure that somebody puts their legitimate ballot in you know in in uh, their you know in the ballot box then okay let's have a system to help facilitate that i right. i don't want to you know when i hear the term ballot harvesting i think of the 2000 mules movie right. where no, we don't uh, there's do that. a whole lot of shenanigan that goes in there in coming up with these ballots that just automatically appear from somewhere. Well, that's illegal, ba- that's illegal ballot yeah. harvesting, and there's tons right. of that that goes on. Uh, but but I just can't. Here in Adams County, we took every office in April uh, in, in, in 2014, every major office. Um, four years later, 
We've lost every office and we've stayed out of it. In 2018, we were ahead in all the ones until all the harvested ballots came in and we lost everyone. And so all these people who think that Colorado, unlike Wyoming, Nebraska, everywhere else, we've gone totally dark blue. It's it's just amazing. It's, just it's like the devil, devil's best thing he ever did was convince us he wasn't true. They just sit there and ballot harvest and laugh. I mean, Ted Trimka just laughs and laughs. Says, oh, Republicans well, are no about the dumbest. Minute, no, so. I don't care. We'll go longer. Will, we'll go I, longer. Okay, I, important. I will agree with you that that's one component. But I will disagree that that will cure everything. It'll oh, cure Adams County. It'll cure, it'll cure DCA. Well, no, I I agree with Kevin there too. There are there are many. No, you would win in Adams County. You can't win statewide because he'll do a people, better job. Other people get to talk. No, they don't. Uh, uh, there are many. All right. Well, then we will disagree about that then. But 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 what is the the you know the leaving message you'd like everybody to, who's on the uh, SEC and I'm on the SEC. Um, it's a bonus member. What 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 what? what well, maybe three three things you'd like us to when we talk about Kevin Lundberg? Well, let me start with what I think is the highest priority, and that is we need to identify clearly what Republican Party principles are all about. And and because if people don't know why we're running, then they won't be interested at all. But, But then some of the particulars are we must challenge the open primary, which is one of the gaping wounds in in uh, in in our systems here in Colorado, and the third one that I would put forth that I believe we can act on immediately is the, is we need a a bottom up management system uh, rather than a top down directive system, and and that's that's far too often what I have observed. And I've run nine elections myself, you know, been a candidate, and I've been in the legislature for sixteen years. And I've been an active Republican for all of my adult life. Uh, I've attended the caucuses, as, you know, every time I've missed a couple because of being out of town. That's it. Um, we need to get back to those principles and work the plan of, you know, being an effective, efficient party rather than, unfortunately, far too often a circular firing squad. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, well Kevin, Kevin, I think you'd be a great uh, chair, um, and and uh, hope to have you on again, if maybe before the eleventh. But but uh, best of luck. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, yeah, we we just need to get the word out, and and I think we've got a lot of good people running. I put yeah. myself forward as uh, one who is ready to get to work. All right. All right. right. So much. Take care. Kevin Lundberg there. And just to let folks know, on Monday, we're going to have Tina Peters on. And then on Wednesday, Dave Williams. And we've already had Casper on. And we'll try to get hold of Aaron Wood, too. So, um, you know, we're we're open to have Eric Alden if he wants to come on. I don't think he does anymore, though. So, hey, listen, want to thank Mark Poff, Kevin Lundberg, the great guys at BBS, all of you guys on Zoom. um, And remember, you can catch all our shows at um, chuckandjulie.com. And and here's Here's my prayer that that on March 11th we elect a grassroots Republican. Um, Eric Odlin's not one, uh, but there are lots of other ones that are. And I hope, as as Kevin just pointed out, we don't do a circular firing right. squad. And we were at a meeting right. the other day, and somebody was started uh, downtrotting Casper. And I said, "No, mm-hmm. we're, we're not going to go there. We're not going to attack the great grassroots people. Um, we're going to." Prop them up. I mean, you know, right. I, if 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 Kevin's win, I couldn't have been more pleased. Uh, if Tina wins, I couldn't be more pleased. I'm a personal friend of Dave Williams and supported him uh, for years and years and years. So and Casper um, and Casper has been a great. And Eric, we've been, been on our show. Um, I'd wish we'd all come behind just one person so we could fight the establishment. Uh, but that's just not how we do things. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, that's we got to wrap it up. We, oh, we got to wrap it up. Yeah, we got to wrap it up. The Leo's house. Leo's house for, for the, the quarters. Yeah, the take the take the beer out of the fridge. All right. Hey, everybody, have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Take care, everybody.